If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And I want to preach to you. Pastor mentioned the virgins this morning, the ten virgins in this morning's message. And it was really odd because I've been working on this message for a couple of weeks. And it involves the ten virgins. I want you to know, I look at the, the spiritual condition of the, of the church today, and I'm not talking about just our local church, but I, I, I watch things as a whole, and I, I measure what's going on, and I pay attention, and I, I still talk to other pastors from time to time, and we visit on Facebook, or someone just out of the blue called me on the phone, or I'll feel led to just out of the blue call someone on the phone and see how they're doing, and see if they're still in the same place, or if God has moved them. Somewhere else, just get a, a put my finger on the pulse of what God is doing in the church, and and one of the things that I see that's alarming is this, and it, it's not surprising because Jesus foretold it, the prophets foretold it, the apostles foretold it, a great beginning of falling away from the church. I got saved in December of 1984, and and I walked away from a very good music career. I was just really beginning to get started and really starting to really make the good money. And it wasn't until I got baptized with the Holy Ghost in March of 1985 that I realized that I had to cut my ties with the world, that I couldn't do both, that I couldn't rock and roll all night and party every day and then go to church on Sunday and be all right. You see, the, the theme of my life used to be I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Now the theme of my life is, is I want to praise the Lord all night and read his word every day. Or vice versa and reverse it around. Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto two, ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They were they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil for our lamps for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answer saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us as you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, and underlined the word ready, went in with him into the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Father, tonight in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, as I bring forth your word, Father, I ask that you would anoint me to speak your word with boldness, and with effectiveness, and Lord, that you would anoint the ears of the hearers in their hearts, that they might rightly divide the word of truth that you're wanting to speak tonight, and bring us all into an account, and that we rightly apply it to your to our lives. And Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
as I was preparing this, I sometimes I like to read what others have to say about it. There was an 18th century preacher by the name of Matthew Henry who wrote, still in my opinion, probably one of the most comprehensive commentaries on both the Old and New Testament that you'll ever read. Matthew Henry wrote about this. He said, observe here, the bridegroom tarried, that is, he did not come out so soon as they expected. And what we look for is certain we were apt to think as very near Many in the apostles' times imagined that the day of the Lord was at hand, but it is not so. Christ, as to us, seems to tarry, and yet really does not. There are good reason for the bridegroom's tarrying. There are many immediate counsels and purposes to, accom to accomplish must be manifested in the saints' patience tried. The harvest of the earth must be ripened and so the harvest of heaven too. But though Christ tarry past our time, he will not tarry past the due time. And while he tarried, those who waited for him grew careless and forgot what they were attending. They all slumbered and slept as if they had given over looking for him. For when the Son of Man cometh, he will not find faith. Those that inferred the suddenness of it from its certainly, certainty, when that answered, not their expectation, were apt from the daily to infer its uncertainty. The wise virgin slumbered and the foolish slept, as some distinguish it. However, they were both faulty. I like how he says that they were both faulty. The wise virgins kept their lamps burning but did not keep themselves awake. Note, too many good Christians, when they have been long in profession, grow remiss in their preparations for Christ's second coming. I want you to know that, that I don't want to be found unprepared for his coming. I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to be wavering. The last three and a half years have been interesting years. Pastor has been tough on me. Sometimes I wondered, what did I do? Amen. But I also understand the circumstances that had happened when Martha and the kids and I had arrived three and a half years and he sat down and told me some things that had occurred and he said, I'm going to sit you down for a while. And it was a long while. But it's been a good while. It's been a learning while. And if you don't think that you can learn from a pastor that's younger than you, then you're foolish and you're stupid. Was that tactful enough? Amen. Boldness. First of all, I want you to note that Jesus said we have ten virgins and five were wise and five were foolish. We already know that the bridegroom, of course, is the Lord. The lamp represents our life and our testimony. Over in Romans 8, 1 and 2, and I marked this one to go because I wanted to share this. It says this, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit is life, and the light of God is supposed to be in us. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame by, came him by the blood of the Lamb and the word 
of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Let me ask you something tonight, church. Is your testimony still a burning flame, or is it just a flicker of the past? I want you to know something. I don't want my testimony to be a flicker of years, of yesteryears. I, I get so tired sometimes of hearing the gospel of yesteryear, the good old days. I sometimes wonder what was so good about the good old days. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have central heat. You didn't have running water. If you needed to go to the bathroom at church, you had to go find the outhouse. We were talking about the bathroom today at Cartwright's. And someone's like, how can they get away with this? And well, we're like, well, they've got more bathrooms now than they had 100 years ago when this building was probably built. Amen. So, you know, those things were not put in. They were grafted in at a later time. The Bible says there were 10, five wise, five foolish. I want to first of all look at some things that God showed me that these 10 virgins had in common. They actually, the five wise and foolish had a few things in common. First of all, it means they were all virgins, meaning they were all pure. They were all church members. They were going to the church. They all, you know, sat probably under the same ministry or something. And they all had lamps and they probably all burned bright at one time, but five remained faithful and five got attitude. I want you to know something. We live in a day and age where people get attitude in the church. I look at, at what's going on in our times. And I, I wrote this, I, I posted this on Facebook, and I think this would be an appropriate time to quote this. I, I shared this on Facebook. I know not all of you are Facebook friends with me, and um, I don't blame you sometimes. I look at what I post, and sometimes I don't want to be friends with me either. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I posted this on Facebook a while back, and I want to share this with you. Don't worry. Jeff, you're not going to hate me after I post this, present this. I, I, I presented this on Facebook a while back. I said this, the reason we are not seeing the miracles of the early church is because we do not pray like the early church. You will never see the miracles of the early church as long as you choose to live within your conveniences. There has to be a level church of aggression. It's not that God has lost his power. It's because the church has lost its focus. It's lost its vision. It's lost its will. It's lost the power because we can't focus on what God wants us to do. You cannot hardly get people to come even out to church unless you have some special big name on the stage. But in the early church, the early church was on their knees and the only name at that time was Jesus. Can you imagine? And we've called prayer meetings here. I know this may convict some of you, and I'm praying it does. Pastors called prayer meetings here where we didn't have people speaking. I posted, I went on to imagine, can you imagine calling a prayer meeting and nobody's speaking, and the church is packed? You can't hardly get the church packed when somebody is speaking, because the Christians today have not been trained for spiritual warfare. They have been trained for entertainment, and if they don't have entertainment, they don't have focus. We've got to rid ourselves of this Hollywood church mentality and superstar preachers and rock star worship leaders and laser light shows while the pastor is preaching. The missing ingredient is prayer, fasting, and the anointing. But the anointing will return when we begin once again to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
I want you to know, church, we've got to get back to seeking the kingdom of God. That's what happened to the five foolish virgins. They got distracted by the attractions of the things of this world. And if we're not careful, we can likewise fall into that trap. A few months ago, an old rock singer contacted me, and, and I had the uh, opportunity to play just part of a set with them one time. Their drummer, I was drumming with a famous guy at that time, and he, he uh, has gotten wise and moved to Texas and away from Detroit. And uh, I was drumming with him on a full-time basis, and the drummer from this other band come up and said, I've always wanted to play drums with this guy. He's one of my heroes. Do you mind if I play a few songs? And I'm like, no, I'll tell you what, I've always enjoyed your band. We'll swap. I'll let you play a few songs with him, and if you let me play a few songs with y'all. And so I did, and I actually did a pretty good job having never played their music before. And recently, the former lead singer of that group, he's solo now, he contacted me and wanted me to come back. Wanted me to play drums with him again because his drummer is leaving. And I'm like, well, I really can't do that. He goes, oh, we'll make it worth your while. He said, let my agent contact you. And I knew his agent because his agent <laughs> used to be my agent. And he's like, what will it take to get you back? I said, y'all getting saved and singing gospel. <laughs> he said, well, we're prepared to make a very good offer to get you back. I'm like, I'm not as good as I used to be. I don't practice anymore. I said, now when I play drums, I have to get the shovel out and get the pile of rust out from behind the drums. I said, because it's embarrassing when I play now. He said, well, we'll give you a lucrative bonus for signing back up. And you can have all the time you want to practice. Made me a nice signing bonus, a very nice offer. It took me, I'm ashamed to admit it, it took me 30 seconds to say no and not, instead of three. It was a, it, I, I could have bought the building over here. Pastor, I could have bought you that building and we wouldn't have had to worry about the landlords. And I could have bought you plenty of toilets. But the, the bottom line is, is I'm not going to sell out for the world. Amen. Beloved, we cannot be like the five foolish virgins. We cannot let our oil run so low that we're willing to sell out. Why? Because I don't want my testimony to become a flicker of the past. I don't want to be a has-been in the faith. It's all right to be a has-been in the rock and roll business. I, I don't want to be a has-been here. Amen. They got attitude. The pastor would preach and they would all say amen. Some would say amen because they were touched by the Spirit. The others just said it because they wanted to look good. They all arose at his coming. They all trimmed their lamps, but that's where the similarities of these ten virgins cease. That's why the Scripture commands us in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. That's why in Galatians 5, 16 through 26 teaches us to live by the Spirit so that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh, that we don't follow the ways of the flesh, so that we don't feel like we can compromise. When I was working for Word Publishing years ago, a Christian publishing company in Waco, we had musicians that sometimes every new record that came out landed on my desk. And one day, I'll never forget one band that landed on my desk. I was ready to barf before I even heard the first song. The name of the band was One Bad Pig. And I'm thinking, this is one ugly name. 
And then I heard the music, and I'm like, oh man, we're in trouble now. And we endorse stuff like this in the church, and we endorse stuff like this in Christianity. And beloved, we have got to be on our guard so that we don't allow, listen, the, the reason why a lot of people are watered down in the gospel today is because we have allowed things to come into the church that never should have been allowed to come in. I've heard, I've heard musicians say, well, I'm just trying to straddle the fence as close as I can to the world without falling over. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. My daddy told me to never walk the fence. He said, because you might fall and hurt yourself really bad. And beloved, I tell you what, I don't wanna fall off the fence on the wrong side. I don't want to destroy myself. I don't want to destroy a reputation. I don't want to destroy my credibility that I worked 30 years for in the, in the kingdom of God to build because I want to be found trustworthy. I want Pastor Blake to be able to say, hey, Robert, can you preach tonight? And then him, oh, God, I hope I did the right thing. <laughs> hey, man, come on. Even if he waits till 2.45 in the afternoon to tell you. And even then, you're still not sure until you show up. That's being instant in season and out. Why should our, you know, the, the oil represents the Holy Spirit here. Beloved, that's why it's important that we get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why, you know, and I do believe it's evidenced with speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I firmly believe that. You know why we're filled with the Holy Spirit? We're filled with the Holy Spirit so that you might have joy. We're filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered by his spirit for service. We're filled with his spirit so that we might be his witnesses. We're filled with the spirit for that hour of persecution that I promise you that in, here in the United States is coming and sooner than what many are prepared for to come. We're filled with the spirit so that we may, be, that we may walk in the spirit and be led by the spirit. So that when someone gives tongues, that we're not just all sitting here going, you know, like deer caught in the headlights. Here recently, we've had some tongues come for us, and, and, and I, I felt one time maybe I should give the interpretation, but the Lord said, no, I've got someone else I want to use. Listen, don't be scared to step out. Get out of your comfort zone tonight. Get out of that apathy. Get away from the complacency that's holding you back from becoming everything that God desires for you to be. Many lamps are burning low or have burned out because oil of the Holy Ghost no longer is the desire of their life. In, 2000, in 1994, Martha and I were approached about pastoring in the Assemblies of God, and I wasn't even ordained with the Assemblies of God, and this elder from this Assembly of God church came up, he had done business with Martha, and he said, well, what about your husband? Will he be interested in pastoring our church? And she's like, well, he's not even ordained with the Assemblies. And I knew in the Assembly of God pastor there in that area, we lived in Athens at the time, and so I called this friend of mine up in the Assemblies, I said, what do I do? I mean, I'm not even with you guys. I'm like, I'm not against you, I'm just not with him. So the next day he took me to meet the, the, the presbyter and had lunch and he approved it. And so I, I preached the Wednesday night service there. And that particular Wednesday, the Pentecostal evangel had come out. And I was reading it before the service. And it had, the Assemblies of God had taken a poll in 1994. And he asked one question. It was for other congregants, pastors, everybody. 
Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues since you have believed? And in that poll, 52% of the membership of the Assemblies of God in 1994 had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In 2004, they retook that survey, and it had fallen to 48%. And by 2011, the last time I had any contact with anyone on the general board in Springfield, it was down to 17%. In 2011, I remember uh, Brother Trask asking me, who was still in the general bishop, the general superintendent at that time for the assembly, he goes, you know, what really, he said, what really amazes us is he said, we can't understand why we've had such a large drop in the last seven years from 2004 to 2011. I said, well, brother, that's simple. I said, what's the fastest dying generation in America right now? It's the World War II generation. They were your last generation of believers that received the Holy Ghost that really pressed through. And then you look at how the the times changed in that season of change when the Vietnam War came and the Vietnam generation came up. It wasn't important to them anymore. It's got to be a desire, church. If you want the Holy Ghost in your life, you've really got to desire it. It's not... The Holy Spirit, folks, is a gentleman. He's not going to come upon you unless you want him to. The five foolish virgins said had developed attitude. I want to go to 2 Peter 3 for a second. I need to hurry. Boy, I'm not moving fast tonight. 2 Peter 3 and Verses 3 and 4 says this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Hear this, this is very important, because they're saying this in our day as well, and they were saying this in the days of Peter as well. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Folks, the world is asking that question today. And it's not just the world asking that question. It's the five foolish virgins of the church, those whose oil has run out, asking that same question, have lost their burden, have lost their tears, have lost their joy. Where is the promise of his coming? I tell you what, he's coming back on the silver clouds of glory. And my advice to you is to be ready because no man knows the time or the hour or the day of his return. And if someone tells you they do, then run from them because they're a false prophet. I remember in 1988. Pastor, were you saved in 1988? Okay, he might remember this. I know Pastor Albert will because he's as old as I am. Let me rephrase. He's as young as I am. We are over 50. We are the new young. 1986, a man published, an engineer for NASA published a book called 1988 Reasons Why God is Going to Return in 1988. Do you remember that? I remember the day that he was supposed to come. I got a friend of mine. I had a flake friend call me up. Robbie, take off work today. Come hang out with me so we can go in the rapture together. I told him on the phone, I said, you'll be the last person I want to be with when Jesus comes. I wasn't even dating my wife yet. 
I remember that week, people going and putting their pets to sleep. I kid you not, I remember that. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then Jesus didn't come and you should have heard all the mourning and the gnashing of teeth at church the following week. Jesus didn't come and I put Rover down. And I'm like, who you got to blame for that but yourself? Don't blame him. You were the one foolish. And then the guy had an audacity to write another book a few years later. Why Jesus was going to come back in 2000 and it created the Y2K scare. I didn't even know what the Y2K was. I'm pastoring down the street and one of the ladies comes up, Pastor, when are you going to prepare us for Y2K? I'm like, who? God, did I miss something? I felt out of touch there for a minute. God, what did I, how did I miss this? So I had to read up on what Y2K was. I told her a few weeks later, I said, don't you worry about it, honey. I said, I've got enough faith in the greed of men that Albertsons will not run out of groceries at all. Because if they run out of groceries, there's going to be a lot of unhappy stockholders because they're going to see their profits drop. I said, but I don't think the world is going to end on the bloop of a computer that can't go past 2000. And here I stand 15 years later and Y2K still hadn't happened yet. Where is the promise of his coming? You know, the people... There are people, thousands, that have left the church over the years. It amazes me. People that I can't fathom having left the church after 30, 40, 50 years of service left because they got burned out. The emotions of the Spirit is desire. A man talks about what he is full of. You know, whatever is in your heart, that's where your treasure is also, folks. Let me ask you something tonight. Where is your treasure? Where are, where are you investing your treasure at tonight? Is it in the world? If it is, then you need to come out from the world. You need to be separate, says, you, says the Lord. You need to be holy for I am holy. We need to get back to using words that would probably cause some of you to have to run down to the library and get a Bible dictionary. Because I don't even know if these words exist on Google yet. Words such as holiness. I'm not talking about legalism. Pastor Elbert knows what I'm talking about legalism. I'm not talking about holiness in the sense that a woman builds a 30-foot skyscraper on the top of her hair and, and sticks hairpins in it to hold it up. I'm not talking about women not wearing makeup or anything like that. I'm not talking, that's not holiness. That's legalism. I'm, I'm with my father-in-law, fresh coat of paint, never hurt, an old born. Amen. I'm not talking about legalism. But I'm talking about real holiness. I'm talking about sanctification. Words that we rarely hear in the church anymore. I'm talking about pleading the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about being blood-bought. What has cleansed and made me whole? My membership at VWO? No! <laughs> Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you're filled by the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, you don't need a wristband that says WWJD. How many of you remember those? I remember when all the youth at our church started wearing them. I was just shaking my head. I'm like, really? You don't know what Jesus would do? Listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, you ought to know what Jesus would do. You shouldn't be scratching your head. Well, I wonder what Jesus would do in this situation. I just wonder. 
I mean, I wonder what Jesus would do. I wonder what Jesus would do. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what Jesus would do. Really? I'm sorry, I just had to do that. I saw the Wizard of Oz the other day and God just dropped that song in my spirit. Well, I'll tell you what Jesus ain't going to suggest. He's not going to tell you to follow the yellow brick road. He's going to tell you to take up your cross and follow him. Amen. Get on fire tonight. Get the flame of the spirit of God back in your life. Stop being like that Pentecostal movement that was founded in 1784 called the Methodist Church. Yeah, they used to be Pentecostal. Not anymore. Their motto when I was there was catch the Spirit. They need to stop trying to catch the Spirit and let the Spirit catch them, amen, and get filled with it again and get on fire again and start doing what the old Methodist preachers did in the old days and fast once a week. We can't get people nowadays to fast five minutes. I'll tell you what the church needs. Revelation 2, 1 and 7 talks about leaving your first love and coming back to your first love. It requires us to come back to the cross at Calvary. It requires us to come back to Bethel. Listen, church, we we live in a demon-possessed world. We really do. And I used to have this wrong mentality. I used to have the thinking that Encountering demons required a power encounter. In other words, casting them out. And I've always believed there's two ways to cast the devils out. Lay hands on someone and cast them out. Or lay hands on someone suddenly and beat it out. That's the Texas mentality. And that that normally don't work too well. So I don't advise the latter. But I've come to this conclusion as I've gotten older and a little wiser... that what the church really needs and what the world really needs is a truth encounter. Because I have learned that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And who is that truth? That truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He didn't say you can come through Muhammad. He didn't say you could come through Buddha. He didn't say you could come just because you're an American citizen. Listen, God's not an American citizen, church. He doesn't have citizenship here. He's not bound by the laws of the Constitution. He's not bound by the laws of of any kingdom on this earth. All the kingdoms of the world are subject to him and exist only by his good graces. We need to realize who we are tonight, church. There's an old song that the Imperials used to sing years ago. I know some of you don't know who they are. But, and you'll have to Google them. But the Imperials had the line in this one song that says, the, do- the devil wants us to think that we are paupers when we are really children of the king. That's who we are. We need to find our spiritual identities tonight. We need to realize that who we are in Christ Jesus. Let the fire burn again. Get some oil in your lamps. Let the Holy Ghost fill you up so that when you walk out of here tonight, the devils are trembling and saying, oh God, I don't want to see him tonight. Oh Lord, oh I don't want to see Dylan because he got filled tonight and he's going to trample all over me. 
I don't want to see Parker and Ryan because those teenagers just got, yeah, listen, teenagers, I got good news for you. You can get drunk here. You can get drunk in the spirit here. We don't have an age limit on the Holy Ghost. And I've got even better news for you. When you get drunk in the spirit, you don't wake up with some stranger who was a beauty queen last night. And you're going, ah, it's Halloween. And you don't wake up saying, oh God, what did I do last night? When you come out being drunk on the Holy Spirit, you're like, whoo, thank you, Jesus, give me some more. Have a truth encounter with the Lord tonight. You don't need Oprah. You don't need Dr. Phil. All you need is Dr. Jesus. And an old-fashioned altar where you can come and cry tears at the mourner's bench. Because we serve an on-time God. Repent and come back to your first words. Just as the prodigal son did. I want to close with this. The prodigal son repented because of these three things. First of all, there was the intellectual element that the prodigal son came to. He had a change of mind. He came to himself while he was feeding the swine. He had the second element, which is very important, the emotional element, a change of heart. The prodigal son said, I have sinned. And then he had the volitional element, a change of will. When the prodigal son said, I will arise and go to my father. I'll tell you what, let's have those three elements in our life tonight. Let's humble ourselves and let's let God fill us with the Holy Ghost and let's have a burning desire for him again.